I had a, an Adele song on today. And okay. it was, I did All actually. Right. This is a fun fact. I was listening to the music this morning and it came on when we were young. Oh, <laughs> you like what I That was a there. banger in college. I don't remember how it goes actually. Something about she knew somebody. Da, 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 da. Yep. Can't sing like Adele, but that's just like it. That's one of the rare, amazing segues into a podcast to talk about when we were young. <laughs> the yep. idea of how. Wow, we... <laughs> that was an elite segue, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a that's an off the glass kind of uh, there, there you go. Segue to myself, I kind of pump faked it and then yeah. the, the defender jumped and I lobbed it off the glass. Yeah. When when we were young, <laughs> uh, I'll just get straight to it. When, when part of the reason why I bring this up to you, you brought the topic up, and I think it's an important topic because right now, when we were young, <clears throat> there wasn't many. I had a Pistol Pete video, yeah. I don't know if you had those, it was like the dribbling ones, it's like him and yep. Red Auerbach. Yeah. Other than that, I didn't have any access to online information. They right. were just, you would Google stuff and YouTube stuff. And every now and then a clip of like, Ooh, JJ Reddick shooting workout. And you would try yeah. and watch the bits and pieces and mimic what they were doing. But now we have so much information. And if I right. was young, I would be going through I don't know, not so an identity crisis, but a basketball mm-hmm. identity crisis of what of what to conquer. And I think we can learn a lot about how to navigate those waters if you're a listener and you're younger, or maybe you're a coach and you're younger, to think about, first off, what would you have changed when you were younger in the first place in your training, mm-hmm. and then maybe tying that together with how you could then leverage the knowledge of social media. Because now you have like, look, I made these mistakes yeah. in training when I was younger, I would have changed this. And then I can use that bit of information to potentially solve the problem with going online and finding some right. resources. So let's just start off with it. What would you have yeah. changed, Shane, if you were well, I, I think you put it in a good good kind of spin on it was like now things back then were a lot simpler. Um, it's almost like if your coach told you something like that's what it was. Now you have, if my coach says something, I have access to a million trainers either in person or online that are saying almost different things, right? So I do think there is probably an identity crisis of like, what do I work on? What do I spend time on for kids? Uh, If I think about back then, like you said, social media wasn't really a thing. And uh, I think uh, Twitter had just started when I was in high school, like 2009 or 10 or something like that. But there was nothing on there. Um, Facebook wasn't going, had no video stuff on there. YouTube was really the only thing, but it was just like chopped up game film. Um, So really what I was doing was just like watching live games and then watching games on TV. And you would just see certain things and maybe try to mimic those, which is a good way to learn. Um, I don't know what I changed. You know, I had thought about it in the car ride and I was like, you know, I would want to go back and work on ball handling and like all these things I sucked at. But then I was like, well, what if you just doubled down on what you were really good at though? Like, you got to school because um, you're a good shooter. So what if you made that even better? And then you just added a little bit more of athleticism, weight room stuff. Um, I think maybe I go that route um, because I love the way that I played. I just, I do know that there were some skill things that held me back. So I don't know. I think I doubled down on shooting and then I'd think I would maybe add just a little bit more off the dribble um, just to kind of give me that middle level of being able to score. Cause I don't think I had any pull-ups, no floaters. It was rack or three po- or three. Um, but then I think the biggest thing probably is spending more time in the weight room. But then if I think about my weight room stuff, who knows what I would have been doing with my, you know, high school coach or whatever. So that, those are my initial thoughts. Oh, 
Shane with the perfect career, I would change nothing. I would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Not as a matter of fact, thanks for asking, Max. I, would, I, I did it exactly right. Yeah. Um, I would have changed quite a bit. And I think yeah. the biggest factor I see with athletes is, is two things. And they're connected to each other. It's one taking ownership of your career. And what I mean by that as a kid so often you're doing things to fit into a specific mold or a role. And what happened was when we played, we had a drastic change in the sport of basketball from when we were in high school slash middle school to when we were in college. In high school yeah. slash middle school, heavy flex offense, heavy set plays, triple screens, floppy action, double pin downs, the movement shooter was a big thing. A pin down yeah. into a jump shot was a shot you practiced. A weak side pin down, full sprint into a 15-foot elbow jumper. That was mm -hmm. part of the offense. And J.J. Redick was a prime example of someone who was a gravity shooter. He would run. And the offense was built around him drawing gravity. People would move towards him, make the defense, make a decision. And then the other side of that coin was a heavy post-entry offense. You'd catch it. And then you immediately look yep. to the post. There wasn't any dribbling, really. Um, it was dribble to create space. And it wasn't dribbling in space. It was dribble for an angle to continue the offense. And that's kind of like the middle school, high school career. In college, we ran a motion my first year. And then the ball screen offense became huge. That was a big mm. pivot change in basketball. Um, and at least when it was in college for myself that was an era of chris paul blake griffin when they popularized the excessive lobness of basketball Lobs, yeah. lob city um but it carried over into the division three realm where i was in and all of a sudden everything you had practiced from pin down screens to flare screens to how do i read maybe certain defenders in a flex offense right you're trying to read yeah. do they shoot it if they shoot it i flare if they jump it, I slip. If they trail, I curl. If they uh, drop under, I pop. Yeah. Didn't, didn't matter anymore. <laughs> now it was all, can I come off a ball screen, make a read, and get an open guy? And now you're playing in space versus dribbling to create space. Right. And so as a player, I wasn't aware of the changing environment. And because of that, I, I was basically a dinosaur. I was yeah. the last of a dying breed. I'd spent my whole career running off of screens and shooting off of screens. And then that shot doesn't even exist anymore in basketball. I don't remember the last 15 foot pin down I've seen in a college mm -hmm. basketball game. And so that killed my career. It <laughs> just like yeah. totally demolished it. Cause I couldn't dribble and I couldn't play um, very well off the bounce. And that was never actually a need. It was a pump fake one dribble pull up. It was pump fake, one dribble, post-entry, relocate. It was never pump fake, dribble, iso, make a move. Again, because that was never even a thought within basketball itself. Like that it wasn't yeah. even in the game. And so nowadays, basketball changes with greater speed because of the information translation. Like if you're on social media, the scouting's better. Um, the rate at which information gets passed through the coaching realms is so much quicker. And so you'll see offenses change quite rapidly. And I was unfortunately caught off by that and didn't take the ownership of my career to even change that. Looking back on it, I would have loved to work on dribbling and, you know, Euro steps and certain mm -hmm. things creating off space. 
I don't ever know if I would have even used it at any point in time in my career. Right. Our offenses were never even built to resemble anything like that. So I can't say like, ah, I would have, I would have loved to have been great at, you know, finishing through a contest. It's sure. more like just being aware. And I think as a lot of players, we get caught up in just playing and no one actually teaches us to look out for ourselves beyond the scope of a year and a half. It's sure. always like, what can you do for me now? What can you do for me today? Are you going to fill that role? Can you get playing time? And can you mm -hmm. uh, go on from there? And so it's been interesting because not to ramble on, but when you go to the professional level with these guys, it's just a lot about owning your career. What's your role? What are you going to do? And being yeah. aware of how roles, roles change. And so if I would have changed one thing, it's being more intellectually uh inquisitive in basketball I'm like trying to actually figure stuff out beyond just my coach telling me hey you should shoot whatever because you know the game itself had changed so that, that's my take on it sure that's an interesting take too and i think uh i think it's true and i we're the same age and probably went to school at the same time so i think i i went through the same thing in fact i think about what we even ran in defense it was a lot of two three zone which a lot of college teams run zone but in college we ran no zone and then we had a wing entry into a back screen, and then I would post up. That was our offense. So I either got a lob, I got a uh, pick and roll, or I got a post up. That were my three looks, unless it was transition or some random three. So it was not driving kick, and then you get to college, and it, all that's all it is is penetrate, kick out, close out, keep the ball moving, just classic motion, four out one, any type of stuff. So now I'm coming into my freshman year, and coach says we're doing shell drill. Dude, I'm not kidding you. I didn't even know what shell drill was. I had never heard of that term. I was like, I don't know what this is. For two years, I struggled with just shell rotations of practice. It was so difficult just because I was used to sitting at the bottom of that zone. So now I'm prepared. I'm prepared to, like, go to college, run a zone. I don't even know really what basketball is, is as far as how people are supposed to move and slide without the ball. And the way that I learned is when we did three on O, three and three or sorry, three on no movements. And then we would transition to three and three. When I started playing more three and three in college, that's when I learned how to slide off the ball. Um, and when I learned that it changed a lot of things for me, but again, totally different player in high school than I was in college. So that's a good point. If I think about it, I, I do also wish that I would have prepared or have known to prepare for a, this is what that's going to be like when you get there, it's going to be a lot differently or a lot different. So I don't know the skill. I, my mind goes straight to skill work, right? Like, like you said, I wish I would have handled the ball a little bit more in high school. I wish I'd have worked on that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think if I was super young, I would do an all encompassing skill approach where it's like, don't care what position you play. Don't care about any of that stuff. Don't care what role you're going to play. I just want you to be prepared to step into any role. So be able to stop off the dribble, finish with both hands. Um, all those things. I, I would have, worked differently in pickup i think sure. so often when i played like these summer leagues mm -hmm. um since eighth grade the goal was always to win yeah and that was so stupid <laughs> yeah i didn't get when any young, better yeah. yeah i just i'd play pickup i just wanted to win i would judge my success on how many shots i'd made so i would just really dig my trench deeper and deeper People yeah. had the famous line. I'd, I want, it's a stupid line. It's was like an inch wide, a mile deep. That's sure. not how you want basketball. That's very not robust. You'd sure. rather probably have be a jack of all traits as opposed to an extreme hyper specialist. Right. And 
and when I played pickup, I just kept reinforcing these traits of don't shoot off the dribble because I'm not good at it. Don't post up. Don't drive to the hoop. And you end up just like, I don't know, play 30 games, 50 games in the summer, maybe 100 mm-hmm. in all. Mm-hmm. And you're like taking the same shot every 100 games. <laughs> I read, a, I was home for Christmas, read a newspaper article. My, my stepmom brought it out. And the article said, oh, Shane, how did you, what was your off season? And I literally said in the, in the interview, I played like 80 games this summer. That was how I got better. That's literally what I said. And I was doing the exact same thing, bro. I probably went to like Minneapolis and had these dudes checking me out full court. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to dribble. I ain't going to the rim. I probably just shooting threes unless I get like some sort of wide open cut for a layup. That's about it. It's, it's interesting because for some reason in your head, you're like, oh, if I play poorly, a coach who's not here is going to see this. Yeah, literally, there was nobody there watching me anyways. And, and it's part of, I, I kind of partly blame, I don't know, the, the I don't want to call it my parents because maybe that's not the right case, but you're always impressed upon to have your best showing. They're yeah. not even there, mind you. No, my, like, you're right. But you're always like in the back of your head, like, oh, you know, I want to make sure I, I do my best. And my best is I will score points shooting a three. And so I spend my whole AAU career just shooting spot up threes. And I have some old clips of them. I'm watching these and I'm like, gosh, I wouldn't recruit myself either. <laughs> I just shoot threes. I would score 30 points a game. I'd hit 10 threes. threes so yeah. They're just kicking out set shot threes. They're not reasonable basketball moves. And so that's where the lack of ownership in my career took place. I that's was a good point, man. simply just trying to score points. I didn't think of myself as someone who's going to run into an obstacle. I thought mm. this low-hanging fruit of spot-up threes would forever exist. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> it clearly doesn't. And then you're in a pickle. We're like, oh, well, how else can I provide value beyond? And that kind of goes into my <clears throat> basketball career. For my junior year, I got in a, I played really well my sophomore year. My team is very good. And so mm-hmm. I was like the fourth option on the offense. I could just come in and shoot threes because it was pick your poison. We had two All-Americans basically or would be all yeah. potential and myself and so they were like, well, I'm not going to guard that kid. And so we just ran pick and rolls my side. And I stood in the corner and I would just get, you know, kick out threes kick on out. repeat, shot basically 50% on wide open looks. And they graduate my junior year I'm in. And I get an argument with my coach. And basically he starts to pull me if I start missing shots. And so I got in a situation where I just wouldn't shoot any more threes. And I would just mm. drive to the hoop. And that's probably one of the best things for my game because right. I realized like he's kind of how i'm not sure if i agree with his coaching philosophy but i missed a shot it was cold pull him out so i realized that yeah. if i didn't miss a three i wouldn't get pulled out of the game and so i would i would not shoot threes even though i was in the shoot threes if i drove and missed it he wouldn't care and so i would just keep driving to the hoops <laughs> and i would i actually got them what a, what, the what, a, what a coaching approach that is we were last in conference that year it speaks volumes mm. to the coaching approach maybe yeah <laughs> well so think about your au days do you think the team that you were on you could have played like if you took ownership right and you knew that they would think have you... they were very supportive absolutely okay, okay. And I, I think some kids maybe aren't in that situation. So then in that situation, it's more of like, let's find a team. Like we talked about the the other podcast, like let's not play on the first team. Let's go to the this team or let's switch programs. Oh, play on two team teams. That... Like play yeah. not in AAU when I grew up, I'm sure it's different now. Not every tournament mattered. So you wouldn't always no. have to go to no. the, the coaches aren't ever, there were like four tournaments. Well, think about like... you. Think about youth tournaments and high school tournaments too. Like you're saying, there's not these colleges like, they're at in June, maybe they're there, or whenever the recruiting period is, that's when they're there. The rest of them, you're like in the back, especially if you lost the first game, you're in the back auxiliary gym 
on the second, you know, location and nobody's there. No, no one. And so. you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to shoot this such shot through. I'm going to, you don't even push yourself. And I don't want right. to say it's a fear of failure because that's a kind of a lame excuse. It's a fear. Of, it's a lack of knowledge sure. and no the one's ownership. guiding the kids. And we go back to the initial discussion here on social media and these kids go on here and they want to do a thousand different things. Um, yeah. Here's an example. There's a kid who we played with good basketball player, actually. And it's interesting. He, uh, a younger kid, he's probably a sophomore, maybe very athletic and myself and a guy who's going to play in Australia. We're hooping. And he's, you know, must be, the kid must be 15 or 16. Like, Hey, do you want to play? We're playing ones. And you know, when I grew up, you used to play when you're 16, whoever's playing ones, you just go play. Yeah. Play with the kid and doing all these moves by himself and these drills. And he gets in the game and he like goes to three moves, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's, he's constrained to, to do those kind of things. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, this is where we get to the point about the social media aspect. He's one of the guys are playing with is very athletic. <laughs> Not me. The other guy, he's like six, seven, two, four, and can jump on the gym. Hard yeah. pump fake, one dribble, tanks on him, yeah, right? right? Just yeah. yaks all over the kid. And the kid looks at us like deer in headlights, like, oh, oh gosh. Mm-hmm. I look at him and I said, That's a sign you're playing against good players. I respect the attempt. Like, that's it. Give me a fist yeah. pound. Thanks for trying to block it. Cost yeah. of doing business, but that's a pro. Like this guy gets paid. Yeah. Off. What do you expect? Yep. Like, and you should go up and dunk that. And the, the whole idea is like you, I can see in his head, like all these TikToks, people getting dunked on and yeah. like, like, you Anybody just, got their phone out. <laughs> everything flashed before his eyes and we were recording the session. Even I'm like, I'm not going to post yeah. it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, you get mashed on bro. You're 15 or 16. And this guy's, you know, 23. And sure. like, if it wasn't you, it was going to be me getting dunked on either way. Sure. But sure. it's interesting because I, the social media aspect, I was never afraid to do something stupid because of social media. I'm not saying yeah. this kid responded that way, but I could see yeah, that. Yeah, he's thinking like, about it. Yeah, yeah, like I thought about it. <laughs> like, yeah. He got dunked on. And I was like, oh, yeah. that could be a clip. But at the same time, <laughs> I can't say that to him because I don't want the kid to get freaked out. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, yeah. hey, don't worry about that. If it was someone who I was close with, I'm like, hey, I'm putting that on YouTube, my guy. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because that's now a thing that revolves in people's People are heads. thinking about. I think uh, I noticed this two days ago. I was working with a kid on just a simple like shifting, like an AI crossover, right? Like shift cross low. And uh, one of the most like spammed moves on social media of all basketball, and I'm guilty of this too, is cross jab where you throw the ball to the opposite hand and you jab your weight, right? So this kid literally can't do a weight shift cross because he only knows like he, he could probably do it in a game, but like when we're working on his like actual control of his body, he can't do it. And I'm like, what, where did you, cause we've never worked on cross jab. I was like, where did you see this? He's like, I see it all the time on TikTok. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> you're just watching cross jabs. And now, now literally in that session, I, like, again, he could probably do it later, but he couldn't do a certain movement because he's just been seeing this thing over and over and over. So I know for a fact, the impact of the social media stuff, especially with basketball trainers. And like I said, I'm guilty of a lot of that stuff too, but I'm trying to at least keep my pulse on like what people are saying, what people are thinking and what everybody's posting just so I can kind of be ahead of the curve. But like, I don't know. It's a tricky game. The, the social stuff is tricky. Social media is tough. And we can talk about it from a business side on a separate podcast yeah. because there is a balancing act you have to go through. But I will make the hot oh, yeah. take. Social media has made basketball players, when I say uh, less physical. What yeah. I mean by is. I'll play, you'll see kids, they'll, they'll want to do all the moves. And it's funny because I'll play like AJ Green on the Bucks one-on-one. He'll put a shoulder in me and, and I'll, 
that's the only move he needed to do. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's interesting when you play at the high level, how much physicality pre- precedes that of a move. A lot of these people are, to- are, people are seeing these trainers like myself with a tripod one on oh, right? Because we don't have another body in there. It's hard to film that stuff. It's hard to showcase the contact. Yeah. You can't feel it either. And the, the thing is, right, you watch you Luka Doncic and you're like, oh, look at that spin move. That guy, if you're trying to block, you're going to get run over by that man. Yeah, you're you have no idea the level of physicality that that person's displaying. You can't portray that on social media. So it's interesting when you watch these kids want to do all these moves. And the reason why I bring that example up is because the kid would do a move and the ball would just be standing right in front of me and you just would knock it out. Yeah. And you play pickup with people and they'll put like seven moves on you. And the minute they make contact, the ball just rolls out of bounds. Right. Versus right. you play the old head who played in college and he'll just dribble left and constantly make contact with you yeah. and eventually get into this position where he can make a move and score. And it's yeah. interesting. I think social media has really hurt the physicality of the game because people mm. don't play as much one-on-one. Three dribble one-on-one, check up. Three dribble one-on-one is first move is in someone's hip. Yeah. <laughs> that is the first move of three dribble one-on-one. Yep. But nowadays, everyone wants to put a cone out and they want to do the seven dribbles because they've seen whomever do it right. in the NBA because right. in the NBA, there's different rules, which kids don't realize either. Right. No defensive three in the key changes the entire perspective of the game. But they don't yeah. – it's just – it's that's my old curmudgeon self. <laughs> no, it makes sense though. It's tough too uh, as somebody that's trying to post a ton of content. It is, it is tough. And I think there needs to be an education for trainers on that, but I also think an education for kids, like you just said, the rules are different in the NBA. How you how you uh, consume content, needs there needs to be an education around that, right? Like what are we really working on? And I put, I put a post out today basically saying like – a lot of the stuff that you see off the dribble is awesome, but if you can't shoot, then a lot of it is not important anyways, because you nobody's gonna be guarding you. Um, so the message obviously was like, if you can shoot, it makes a lot a lot of these things even more dangerous. But uh, yeah, like you said, we could talk about social media, a whole podcast about what it means to be a business, how to drive engagement. Um, the biggest thing I see is like some of the comedy skits are the ones that hit the most, right. Or some of the flashy moves are the one on social media that hit the most, but it's not necessarily representative of the actual game of basketball. Well, speaking of comedy skits, we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the dumbest drills we have, Ooh, have like experienced that. as players. Cause I think you guys might find some of this in the realm of comedy. All right. So take a break. and We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we're back, Shane. And so let's get into this. Dumbest drills that you have mm. experienced as a player. And we'll go one back and forth with each other here. So I'm right. not, you, know, you don't need to have all seven of yours listed. I'll, I'll, lead, off I'll lead off by saying this. College made me a very physical player and a lot stronger. I don't know that I got a lot better in college. And I do remember hating practice, not because we were not going to get there or we were competing too much, but basically – I just remember a lot of, I felt like energy wasting drills and, uh, one of them, my least favorite and everybody's least favorite, uh, is when you have one ball and three players and you do one-on-one-on-one rebounding and it is a hack fest. It didn't teach me anything about rebounding. All it did was get me in many arguments with my teammates. I learned how to pull the back of their Jersey so I could get a rebound. I learned some of those hacks, but like nothing else, just, uh, rolled ankles, I'm upset at my friends and uh, just looking at the clock, waiting for the five minute mark to just finally run out. So we did not have to continue this. <laughs> we, <laughs> I didn't we, get better at rebounding. That was, I don't know what the point was. So that drill. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I'll raise you one here. We have uh, 
depending on the game, <laughs> the next day, whether it was the offense played poorly or the defense played poorly, we'd have five on five, no dribble. But we were we had a pretty like intellectually gifted team, lots of like sure. PhD students on our team, guys who are debating to be nuclear physicists and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and so we we all kind of understood at the base level the point of the drill. And so sometimes it'd be five on oh, five on five, no dribble. And he's mad because the offense didn't play well. So on defense, you would like intentionally not play as good of defense because there's no way you're not going to score. Oh, <laughs> I mean, God, there's no way you're going to so score. Funny. And so we're like, oh, no, got caught in a screen. <laughs> <laughs> he'd make a buck. He'd be like, that's good offense. Or like, oh. So you, you were setting your teammates up to make them look good because you knew when you get on offense, you need the same treatment. Well, we would run. And so, oh, if, yeah, you were so like, team, let them score. we would run. Let them we're like, good. this is the stupidest, as like a, a team, we would run if this didn't go no, well. There's no motivation. Yeah. And so, That's we a... it depends if it was like bad offense, if it was bad defense, you would just like be a total ass and you would full deny across the board because you don't have a dribble. You're not going to get the, you're not going to get an open look, right? You're just going to full denial. And it's not realistic basketball. You're just, now playing some bizarre form of like ultimate frisbee, where you're yeah. like full denial. Um, so some of those drills that we had, we would game the system pretty well, and that was one of five hilarious. on five, full court, no dribble, was one of the dumbest drills in the history of basketball. Taught us nothing at all, and it basically was us trying to figure out which the coach wanted, so we would game it that way. That's hilarious. My next one would have to be. I don't actually mind three-man weave, but I think what we were doing was like you had to get so many in a row and it had to be – it's like the perfection drill basically. Mm -hmm. And by like if we're going to 50 or 30 or whatever it is, by like 27 or 47, we'd be going so slow and we were traveling every single time and the layup was right next to my face. I was like, just don't <laughs> smoke the layup. Otherwise, everybody's going to be upset. And you got all these freshmen freaking out. I'm like, what is the actual point of this? Like this is not this perfection idea. It never happens. Nobody weaves like this. And I'm doing the most fake unrealistic layup of my life. And I took like 18 steps. Yeah. I hated the weave, man. That was like our, that was one of our warmups. And I think it was just like, just to get us running up and down. And That's I don't the, know what the actual point was, but. Is that the one where it was like progressively less and less passes? Like we had one, like it got yeah, tighter yeah. and tighter, and like you like yeah, maybe yeah. like handing the ball <laughs> off to each other, and you could drop it, and you had to go behind the person and like just go slow. Like we did that, yeah, nice. yeah. Don't mess up. We Literally, had, it, yeah. We had one in college. that was called consequence scrimmage. This is a classic one. This one didn't make any sense. So we had five on five on five. So one team was out, one team was in, and one team was on offense. So it's offense, defense, team waiting. And at any point in time, if you made a mistake, the consequence was you're pulled off. The next team had to go on. And when you're pulled off, you had to run like five touches. No one's mm. timing it, but just whatever. That's the consequence. Sure. And, and so we'd be playing and the team, like, well, this, I swear to God, this is what happened. We, whoever's on offense basically scores. The other team loses. And so the next, so they have to go run. The next team comes on but they didn't run on fast enough. And so they're out. And so there's uh, other teams on the court just running around <laughs> shooting layups in the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, then, I know exactly what you mean. We're off the court running, and because we're still running, 
we get consequenced again because <laughs> we're not like on the court to play. And we're like piling. Yeah. And so this team's like running back and forth, like shooting. Oh my God. Like has like an insurmountable lead, and we're stuck in this like death circle of, <laughs> of infinite consequence. The drill to, should be called Death Circle. Unable to get off, off the. That's uh, hilarious. The the running route is I, I it's called consequence. No one knew the rules. Like there there was never and he would just yell. The coaches the didn't co-? know. And he would just yell consequence. And like what? Mm-hmm. Like, he was like bad <laughs> bad ball denial. Off. Oh, like what are you talking about? Oh man, have you watched Last Chance You yet? I have. This could be a, this could be a whole, the. Have you seen the new season? Mm-hmm. Man, there was so much backlash. I don't know. I don't know what what I think about that coaching style, but there's so much backlash. Like these players are on the sideline. That one episode where coach is just screaming at these people, and the kids like, "Look, I have no. I don't know what you're saying. Are you? What are you telling me?" And it reminds me of that. Like, coaches are literally just upset. You have no idea what they're upset about, but you're just like, "All right, let me go. Just go run. Let me just get out of here and run and do whatever you're telling me to do. I don't know what you're trying to teach us. I don't know the purpose. I'm just gonna do what you tell me. Tell 15 minutes or whatever's out." That's that's where our our uh, our gaming the system of players. See that we're yeah in D three we don't have the same con. We can do cut me like I don't think yeah. you can cut me even in D three, and so we're playing. <laughs> this happened, and we knew the coach was mad. And the coach once a year loves to kick us out of practice. And we like yeah. knew going into this that he was going to try and do it to us. And so we've had a good practice. We're like twenty minutes in. We've had like no mistakes. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if we like missed. It was the most minute mistake. Someone turned it over, like just yeah. so minor. Like, everyone on the sideline, <laughs> and he's like crumples his paper up, and we're all like, like kind of dying. Yep. We're like laughing, yep. like, oh, here it comes. He's like, yep. oh, you, you think you can go out and play tomorrow and win? And we're like, <laughs> oh, this is this is great. And he's like storming. He's like, you know what? I don't even have time for this. Practice is canceled. We're all like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's get the hell out of here. We're getting the cafeteria. We're out of here. Yeah, let's go to the cab. Yeah. One of our guys on the team's like super mad. He's like super upset. He's like taking it super personal. And my, my roommate walks up to him. He's like, hey, dude, it doesn't matter. That shit was coming a mile matter. away. Like, let's yeah, get out of here. You couldn't stop that. It, it, it just served zero purpose. And yeah. I love yeah. the fact that we all, as players, we're like 22. It's a team full of nine seniors. It's a nine. Yeah. Seniors. We're like, okay, dude, we're too like, Dude, when you get farther into your playing career, you can see those trends coming. Like, if our coach ever walked in with jeans on, we'd be like, dude, we're we're out of here in 45 minutes. He's going to the golf course. He's going to the bar. He's doing something. We're 45 minutes. We're out. And anytime we'd be driving home from break, we'd be calling each other like, dude, how bad is it going to be today? Like how after things seem like yeah. this oh. is going to be the, and you're like, look, it's going to take the one freshman to say something, to look, to, to miss a layup on the weave and beep on the line and just straight sidelines. And we'd just be sprinting. Like you already knew. And it's like, you can't do anything about it. You just know it's going to suck. And that's it. There's no, there's nothing. Yeah. Looking back on it, I wish I would have like said something. Like, do you really think like this is effective? Like, right. Do you think because, we're learning? Because you could, your play, your twenty-two year old players are seeing. There's nine and, and nine seniors are team. And <laughs> we're we're technically cheating your drill because we just want to make sure that you're happy, right? And we not we don't have to have any unnecessary consequences. The death circle. We're just gonna let this guy get. I'm gonna come off the screen and get hit. He's gonna get an open shot. And that's a coaching thing too, because 
there's a respect thing. And when you make us yeah. do degrading things, especially you start to lose time. So we had one that was called hit the bricks. And oh. he had, if you we were in a good defensive stance, you had a bricks and you had to like hold them in a defense. Like you had to hold what? a pair of bricks. You had actual bricks. You had to hold them oh while you're in defensive man. stance on the sideline. <laughs> like, this is like, you're Hit almost like, la- well, you like just la- kept a pile of bricks in the gym just for this situation. But the great thing was like, there wasn't enough consistency. And so he would like do it for like three days and stop. And so you always kind of find it comical. Like, like Hit this, the bricks. This is the new thing we're going to do. I've never heard of that in my life. Hit, bro, the hit the, we'd all be like, hit the bricks. Like making fun of the kids. It really didn't serve any purpose at all because we're all like, yeah, hit the bricks. Uh, that's hilarious. I had uh, my high school coach was probably – he was my dad's coach. So he's probably like 70s, 80s when he's coaching me. And uh, he made us wear, the you know, like hay baling gloves. Like they're bright yellow, <laughs> yeah, most of them. Yes. We wear hay baling gloves when we were in our zone because our hands were – he was always mad at me because I would be – I'd. First of all, I was like high volume on offense, right? So and I'm just dead ass tired on all defense possessions. I'm in the back of the zone. So like, let's say the ball's on the right wing. I'm on the left side. I don't need, I technically, I don't think I need to have my hands up. In fact, I would almost like to hide, right? So they throw some crappy skip pass and I go steal it. And that's, and I led the whole, basically top five in the state of Minnesota in steals because I was just like, I learned the deception piece of it, but he never liked it. He wanted to be super low hands, like literally locked. And I'm like, I'll never be able to get a steal like this. They'll see it coming and I'm non-explosive. So he made us, because of me, he made us wear farm gloves for uh, basically a shell two, three zone drill. And I remember we, we started getting used to this because he made us do it for like a week, kind of like the bricks. Like we just did it for a week and never did it again. And I remember like after the second day or third day, I was like, look guys, we need to get on defense first. Cause when he, they do this and they give us these gloves, they're so sweaty and disgusting, <laughs> right? Like we would play, then they would play. So I'd be like, we're oh. first no matter what. And then we get these gross gloves. They just be drenched in sweat. And then you give them to the next guy and be like, all right, have some fun with that. But yeah, that, that was a good one. The old hay bale gloves. I'll throw one in. That's just not even a drill. It's a fulfilling moment. I think it's every player's dream and it's probably very satisfying. I was in high school. It was my senior year. We were on a one-three-one zone. I remember this vividly. I'm on the left wing baseline, and the coach yells at me. He stops me. Max, you don't play defense. I can't play you. And I turned to him and I said, "That is not true." <laughs> I said, "If I don't play any defense, you still gotta play my ass." He it's dead quiet. He looks at me and goes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that was the entire exchange. <laughs> it was just dead quiet. I was like, shut up. Like, what do you do? He just like would yell at me for no reason, like at all. Because I was a shooter, he assumed I like wasn't playing de- I uh. I was playing defense. I was so pissed. I remember him. And he's like, hey, you can't play defense, Shamar. So I can't play you. I turned, just looked him dead in the eye. <laughs> and I said, shut up. You have to play me. We're not going to win if you don't play me. Just like a long pause, and he looks at me across his arm and goes, Yeah, you're right. What can you say to that? I was like a very satisfied moment because he just would yell at me all the time for no reason. And I was like, yeah. Shut up. Like, your ass is going to play me either uh, way. I'm not going to try less hard drills, or harder either way. And that's like uh, the, the maturity thing. I think like coaches, yeah, yeah. like, look, dude, I want to win too. I'm not yes. trying to play bad defense. I'm in college. Right. And that was in high school, but I guess in high school you can maybe some guys right. be slack off. In college, just like, look, 
I'm not going to not try and play defense. Right. Like I, I have went to all these practices. I'm on the court. My teammates will yell at me before you. Is will. that what they think you think? Do you think that they have to do high effort drills to pull, to make sure that we're always giving the highest effort? Because I feel like anytime I would check into a game in college, I'd be like, yeah, of course I'm going to play a hundred percent. Like I have to, otherwise I'm not going to survive. Like if I just go in here and just like slack around, I'm going to have some problems, but like every drill was not even focused on really teaching. It was just like making sure that we were working really, really hard. And that's why it was always so exhausting. It's an ego stroke. It's just no one. So ask a coach, how do you define a good practice? Our coach in college, like we would, this is great. We'd have practice and no matter how good or bad practice was, we had this final drill. I think it was called Prairie Fire from a school that's near here. Dude, you got some and, wild names at Cole College. It was a shooting <laughs> drill. And it was like, you got to score like a hundred points in a minute. Prairie Fire. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, God, it's like a two on one, and you get like with out. It was a weird design, but point is like you would shoot as a team. You try to score. So, yep, regardless of how well practice went, the determining factor as to a good practice was simply what, got the last drill was whether we got this. And we'd have great practices, and we it's such uh, a, our and he would just yell at us. And so, <laughs> our guy, uh, our assistant manager, like figured this out. He'd work the he'd work the scoreboard. <laughs> And he'd oh always, my god! And the scores would come in too fast. A... He'd always be adding a couple extra. Dude, it was always the kid that was either redshirting, hurt, and you'd be like, "Dude, you just give him the look, like, yeah, yeah, you need to be on top of that scoreboard for us." Yeah, he knew exactly. But that was like the determining oh, yeah. factor, and so, so and it made me laugh because that means like there was no, what is the objective definition yeah. of a good? How practice? are we measuring? How are we measuring like, our development here? Like, how? What is a good one time? This was like my favorite. He would, we would have like off season, be like winter. He'd be like, all right, guys, today we're going to do a little skills work. So he says that the cones up. We do like in oh, our crossovers. We're all Dude. looking at each other. And I, this is again what happens when you have nine seniors. I haven't done an in and out crossover, dude, in four years. <laughs> like, why am, I, why am I? He's like yelling at me. He's like, better handle. I'm like, shut up. Like, I, I keep, I remember t- this is what happened one time. This is the end, end of, there's two things before the season started he came up to me and goes max do you want to start and i looked at him and i said that's the dumbest question i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> i said just do what's best for the team dude like yeah, wanna, of, yeah. of course i want to of course play. i want to start yeah and so it's just like that this is the type of interaction we have so we're doing these crossovers he's yelling at us, tighter crossover and my my roommate who, <laughs> who i played with all four years he's like dude like what are we doing like uh, I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna do this move. Can we just like right. can we just shoot some shots? <laughs> like right, right. I, we were much better. So it's like this this arbitrary, like we have the 30 minute player skill session. And you're doing these skills that you're not even allowed yeah. to do it in the game. No, you're not even you max if you ever did that, you'd be on a bench. Yeah, well, in and, and out cross. Can you imagine pulling that out in college? Oh my oh, gosh. Fast break transition. We're doing the full cones, just... in and out cross, step back hezzy. And oh. no one's made this move on our team ever, in four years of ever. basketball in four years of college basketball no one's made freshman to senior nobody's ever pulled that out pulled out an iso top of the key no give me a pin down dude i'll just flare it like, i'll right. pump make and shoot a pull up <laughs> like, i'm not doing this <laughs> make this easier <laughs> and so that's the thing is like what's how does a coach actually objectively look sure. at practice and they, they, they don't ever ask a player. Like a coach in four years never told me Max. Dude, right? Like to get 
to get better at basketball, I want you to, I swear to God, I probably should be saying this because whatever, he probably might hear this one day. This is an interaction I had with him in the season. And you have a season meeting. He, you know, you go like, what would you want to get better at? And I go in, this is my sophomore year. I shot 47% of three-point line bombs. I'm historically known for deep threes. And I sure. said, he's like, what do you want to work on? I said, you know, I think we work on like off the dribble. Like my guess is next year we lose a lot of our guys. There'll be more pressure on me to, to, to perform off the dribble, like maybe make an extra pass. Not becoming, yep. you know, Allen Everson, but being more Not comfortable. Not trying to go ISO, like, yeah. Yeah, driving and kicking. He goes, no, I want you to extend your range. And I la- I audibly laughed. I was like, to where? <laughs> like half court? <laughs> Why did he tell you that, do you think? I don't know. And it was yeah. during the time of like Steph Curry was just coming about. So like a coaching obsession with extending it. And sure. so in open gym, I was hucking balls from like 40 feet out. And I tell my guy, like, Guys, I don't coach told me to do this. <laughs> and I remember going to the game and shooting one in practice. He's like, why'd you shoot from there? Like, that's a horrible shot. And I was like, I, I don't know. I just spent seven months trying to extend my range, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to shoot from 40 feet either. Like, right. this, is, this isn't my choice. So as yeah. a player, you held so much value in what they said. And like, I'm not sure if they weighed or measured. And that's the only time he ever told me like what to work on. So I'm like, yeah. oh, this is, I want to play. Like, this is what he wants do you want to do. Do you think coaches are obviously more like, do you think they're afraid of, of players wanting to do too much? Like the, that question, like, what do you want to work on? Right. And they, in their head, they're like, this guy's going to tell me a bunch of crap about him shooting too much, dribbling too much. I'm, I don't want him to do that. So they put you in a box or like, what is the point of that meeting? And what is the point of that question? If they're really just going to, you know, if, I, if, for, for instance, that guy, that guy told you to shoot deeper threes and in your head you're like i want to go off the bounce like that's the only thing i'm missing is actually going the other way right going to the rim it's it's uh so twofold one maybe some coaches just have that as a checkbox like end of the year conversation yeah, maybe this is just, just in my with, experience i gotta get this meeting with the max over <laughs> to make sure you know he feels okay he's gonna come back to division three school yeah. i don't know i'm not gonna leave I'm, no one's paying i'm not going anywhere else yeah. Um, but maybe part of it is like, they, they just say things like they don't actually weigh your opinion. It's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like I am 18, 19, 20. I'm actually 19, 20, 21, 22 in college. I played and no one asked me my opinion. I've played mm-hmm. basketball for just about as long as you've played coach. Like, why isn't my mm-hmm. opinion matter? And right. no one asked me my opinion. And I don't know if that's a power struggle. It doesn't seem logical because we are a team. And if I had a team of engineers and I'm a senior engineer and I'm managing this team, I would like my junior engineers, my team, my players on the team to give me feedback as to how the project is going. Like, yeah. why is this team not a team? It's a team is led yeah. by like three people and we all just kind of follow along and hope you're guiding us in the and right direction. you game the drills just to get through the drills, right? Yeah, and like versus... Like, I don't know, ask your players who've played together for four years how they'd want to run the last seven minutes of this offense and mm-hmm. what do they think is best because they have an idea and maybe you can't do that with every team. But when you got a group of people, like if I'm working with an athlete, I, I want to ask them what they want to work on. Isn't like, that the biggest complaint from a lot of players too is like, man, coach doesn't know. Like coach, does, I feel like that is one of the like top three things that players in season complain about is like, he doesn't understand how tired we are. My body hurts. Uh, we hate this play. We don't like to play like this. So let me, like I have a really cool story for this in high school. Our coach got fired his, my sophomore year, junior year. 
and we brought in another coach midseason. This guy is like a genius. I've never had a coach like this in my entire life. He inherited an absolutely dysfunctional mess of a team. Guys are trying to quit utter chaos. Cause the coach before us was nuts. Um, in one practice, a play happens and the guy throws the ball out of bounds. He stops practice and he walks up to the guy and goes, Hey, um, what'd you see? The kid goes, I'm so my bad, bad pass. You know, like, I'm sorry. My fault. He goes, yeah. no, no, that's not what I asked. Answer the question. What'd you see? He goes, no, no. Like I get it. My fault. I, I got him with the ball. Like I, he's in I trouble, yeah. he goes, what did you see? The fit player finally goes, well, you know, I saw him cut back door. I thought he was open. And I threw a bounce pass. And he goes, that's the right read. And walked away. Mm. And we're all like, what? And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to teach you guys. He goes, you guys are going to make mistakes. I just want to pause to make sure you're seeing the right thing. Yeah. Um, if you saw, if you got panicked and rushed, we could talk about how to pivot out of it. Yeah. Um, he did make the, he's a bad pass. It's okay, you know. But maybe next time you know that, you got to understand so-and-so doesn't move as fast. So you got to lead him a little more. So all yeah. of a sudden, every mistake became a teaching opportunity, and I've never seen a team Instead rally of a around discipline thing. Yeah, rally around a coach in my entire life like that. In my entire life, we had the uh, as high schoolers coming off a coach, by the way, who we as an entire team went to the AD to ask to be fired. They're bringing a new mm. coach mid-season, so you could easily have this pure chaos ensue. Right? Mm -hmm. I've never seen a coach get more respect out of players in my entire life than that. Wow. And every player on that team would tell you to this day that that coach had your back. And just like to the highest degree, he would sit there and go through stuff. He never once raised his voice, never once yelled at us. We just ask like, why'd you yeah. make that pass? And this is in high school. Think if you had a coach like that in college, when you already have been through a lot of decision-making experiences it and would you're, be... you're, yeah. And you're older and more mature and you're, this is college basketball. Like, of course we're going to work hard. Of course we want to win. Of course I want to start. Of course I want to play. I don't want to turn the ball over and I don't want to get scored on. He, he pulled me aside one practice and he goes, why do you keep shooting that shot? I was like, well, the other coach would make me. I was like crying. And I was like, I don't know what you want yeah. from me. He goes, here, you're going to play next game, a game we're going to win. He goes, I'll play you 40 minutes or have 36 minutes. Just don't shoot once. I said, what? He goes, I'll play the whole game. Just don't shoot. I don't care. We're going to win. He said, we got a good enough team. We're going to beat this team. Just don't shoot. I'll play the whole game. I play the entire game. He goes, see, you don't need to shoot to play. I'll make sure you play. If you need it, I'll, 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 you know, take good shots. Yeah, you, yeah. you can do more than shoot to play basketball. So now you yeah. learned. That's crazy. It was like, how was, and like, when you do that as a player, you was, was this that. your coach all for the rest of your, no, only like yeah, half yeah. a season turn the entire thing around. We were like, a dumpster fire of a team. And we ended up losing to Aaron Gordon, trying to make mm. it to uh, state qualifications. Very good team. Mm. Um, it's just, we had like sure. seven guys end up playing D3 hoops. Devontae was on that team. So I guess he could have played yeah. D1. Um, but I've never seen a coach handle a more, a dysfunctional group of high schoolers. Right. And Saturday, he brought us in for practice. Saturday, he shows up. He, he goes, all right, boys, we're going to shoot some hoops for 10 minutes. And he goes, we got something we got to do on Saturdays. We're like all kind of like, oh, crap. You know, like normally Saturdays are kind of mm -hmm. a hard practice because in high school you play Friday or Thursday mm -hmm. and Saturday is kind of like you long winded practice. We played wiffle ball. Mm. <laughs> played wiffle ball. The only rule was you had to bring a jersey to be a player <laughs> or you had to come as a player. So his son coached it. He was an older gentleman. He was like 70. His son coached it and was wearing a Lou Gehrig jersey and we played wiffle ball. And that's, that's all dope. we did. He goes, you guys don't have fun anymore. You guys got to learn to have fun in basketball. He goes, it's a game. 
Yeah. And I've never seen a coach get more respect and players play harder for a man than him. Wow. It was the wildest thing. Is that what, why? Why do you think coaches are afraid to take that approach, or maybe not afraid, or maybe they just don't know that approach? Is it's it a, because they they fear of their players getting out of control, lack of discipline, getting lazy? Yeah. How do you rule? If people rule with a. It's a power gap, right? So people think ruling sure. has to occur with authority, and they think authority has to do with, um, you know, punishment based practices. I'm going to yell at you. Sure. I'm going to, you're going to do something because I'm going to make sure you do because I'm going to yell at you and I'm going to punish you otherwise mm-hmm. versus actually telling a player why they should do it. Like yeah. as a basketball player, he's like, I assume you're all here because you like basketball. Right. Let's try and enjoy the game. Let's try mm-hmm. and get better at basketball. And when you do that, That's it's scary yeah. because as a coach, your only voice of control is your voice. The only leverage you have over someone is to make someone run. So no one mm. thinks about actually getting the player to think about it. And that actually changed me a lot as a strength coach because I had that experience. Now when I work with my athletes, I said, it's two rules, two rules only. One is you respect my house. You come to my house, you respect my wife. You, you, you know, that's yep. number one. You're going to come to my house. You got to respect the household. <laughs> you can't yep. be a mess. Uh, Because if she yells at you, you're no longer allowed to be trained by me. Um, You can't leave your clothes everywhere. You can't be leaving dishes out. Put that away. Be respectful. Um, And I said, well, two and three are the real rules here. Is Number two is you're not allowed to get mad. There's no getting mad. You wouldn't, if we did a drill and you were good at already, you wouldn't be here to pay me. Mm -hmm. You would just already be doing the drill. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be of much use. And number three is we're going to enjoy it because you get to play and I had to pay to play. So right. I don't care how mad you get. You're going to enjoy the damn process because at the end of the day, this is a very fun, exciting sport. You right. get to play for money. How cool is that? Yeah. You get to have an opportunity to play. People get to cheer for you. No one will ever cheer for me again. It, those days are done. And one day it ends. So when you're, I wish I looked around more and enjoyed that. So often right. as a player, you sat there, you judged yourself. I'm not mm-hmm. playing enough minutes. I didn't score enough. But when you made a shot, someone clapped for you. That's yeah. pretty cool. Even the smallest yes. school, someone clapped for you, and it meant something. As small yep. as it meant, it meant something, and that will never happen again. Yeah, I, I think that goes back to two is like we, what we uh, would change is that part of taking ownership of your career path, and then focusing on those things. Like one of the one of the things I actually have in my Twitter drafts about to tweet is like I wish I shooting with my dad, spending time with my dad in the gym. That was like, if I'm done playing, right. And then you just play, you train or, or you play in men's league. That was the greatest time. Those were the best times or even like the AU days or things like that. That stuff was the most fun. But now I, not every kid, but a lot of the kids I see walking to the gym, they're so stressed out. <laughs> they're like seventh, eighth grade kids, boys and girls, like stressed out of their mind. I was like, dude, what is the deal? I have parents that are like, well, we need our kid to have a perfect form. I'm like, cause he's fourth grade. You don't need to be perfect at anything at all. You can just have some fun and like, you don't even need to be doing individual workouts. Like he could just be at home playing around, doing whatever he wants. Laugh. Like we play with balloons yeah. in our workouts. We play know, with- bro. And, and other people we've, I actually was going to send you another clip. I saw somebody else using that. Cause I saw you reposted the other one, but somebody was using it as a ball handling drill. They would dribble and the ball, the balloon would come down and then they tap it. And then they had to do something else with the oh, dribble. I posted so- that today too. We, we Oh, did yeah. you? Okay. You missed a saw it. Yeah. No, I didn't see his. We we've been we have a whole smorgasbord. And again, oh, you did that, yeah. Uh, gotcha. I don't take credit for that. It's a balloon. Like, come on, I'm sure you've done it before. 
But the idea yeah. of it is these guys or anybody out there, it's so easy to get trapped within your own realm of your essentially your brain. Like you get so mm-hmm. worked up about stuff that you forget that you compete your best when you have fun. Yeah. You compete your hardest when you have fun. You don't believe right. me? Play your friend at a video game and tell me how hard you try to beat them. Right? Yeah. But how can I take that passion and excitement and apply it to the most mundane aspects of sport, like dribbling or jumping? That's not fun. But you know what's fun? Battling over what's called battle balloon, where we have a balloon, mm-hmm. we're hitting it off the glass, we're having to jump and compete. Now you're trying to jump as high as you can. You're not thinking about jumping, you're thinking about beating the opponent. And it's enjoyable yeah. again. I don't know. I think a lot of coaches, maybe a lot of players can say this too, take a lot of joy out of training. Oh, yeah. Like out of basketball. The, the, over, the over-disciplining is how I felt. Like I probably needed some discipline coming in. By the time I was a senior, dude, I was like, I cannot wait wait to be done with basketball. I can't wait to be done with the practices. Yeah. I don't even care about the games anymore. And then I would take, I took six months off after I graduated. Then I played pickup. I was like, I love basketball. This is a blast. <laughs> That's a hundred percent how I felt. And yeah. it, people are like, Oh, don't be soft. Ask a coach. I bet you a coach. They would rather have their, they probably wouldn't want to get coached by themselves. Like no. I think about that a lot. Would I want to get coached by myself? Would I want myself? Yeah. Would do I want to play for Max? I want to work out with Max. Like I don't want someone's gonna yell at me. I would yeah. t- shut off to that. Like, dude, screw you. Like I've yeah. gotten this far already, bro. Like I don't need you to yell at me. Right. Right. Like who are you? Like why are you yelling? Like versus, you know, someone fostering the excitement. And it sounds yeah. so like kumbaya and like you know perfect world situation right right and the only reason it's frowned upon is because people say that's not tough it's just like some overly bravado thing that makes no sense no justification so i I know you have a time uh crunch here so i should probably wrap this up (laughs) for you here that Um, was a good one though man i i like that conversation of the ownership of your career if that can be instilled uh to some players um when they're going up it'll change the way that they play pickup it'll change the way that they go to their AU games the, the teams that they choose i think it's very powerful for parents as well um and then just the coaching styles and these drills man i mean i feel like every almost every college player has a drill like that right or a handful of drills or the best ones are the ones like you said where you start gaming the system and like let's just get through this and whenever that happens that drill is basically useless Absolutely. I wish a coach listening to this could hear this because I think this is such a broad brush I'm painting with. And I apologize. A lot of coaches, they don't like reflect on their own drills. Like sure. just because you're a successful coach doesn't mean you're going to do not doing a dumb drill. There's mm-hmm. always improvements. I don't, I don't want to take, you know, shots at coaches or whatever, but I've seen very successful coaches post like a drill that they're doing. And you're like, that's a dumb drill. Like it's objectively yeah. a dumb drill. And just because it's coming from a coach who's successful, people are like have success bias and they're like, oh, that's a good, no, it's a dumb drill. Dumb drills exist regardless of the bearer of information. If it's like a good coach or a bad coach, a dumb drill is a dumb drill. It's objectively dumb. Yeah, (laughs) dude. I I was so, I went to a Kentucky practice with Reed. It was like an off season practice, but it was a legitimate practice. I I was so surprised. I was like sitting there on the, I was like, all right, coach Cal is here. Like all these people are here. I'm like, I can't wait to watch this. And I'm watching, and I'm like, this is the same stuff we did that morning sun. This is the same same drills as in the you got Ferrari athletes doing same drills as any players. 
and I'm watching the skill development, I'm watching these things, I'm like, these players don't move the way that you're telling them to move. Like there were, I think they were doing like a ball handling warm up, and it was like a straight line where you go pound cross, you just walk up the floor, pound cross. And they're telling these players how to cross the ball over. It's like, none of them do that. And then they're teaching them how to do floaters. And it was like these massive two foot jump stops. You land, land perfectly on flat. And I'm like, nobody does this. And another example too, I, I watched Wisconsin practice at the Pentagon in Sioux Falls and uh, their, their coaches are having new huge jump stops. Like their coach loves these like bounding stops and half of them are traveling when they land and it sounds and it hurt, hurts my knees to hear. And then I watched them play and I witnessed two jump stops. And then another example is I watched a coaching clinic. I did a coaching clinic. I did a bunch of skill work, right? And then another high school coach that has won two state championship back-to-back girls championships does basically comes on and says like, Oh, that was really awesome. But if you can't do this, it doesn't matter type of thing, that type of message. And his drill is straight line, drive to the block, land on two, pivot, kick to the corner. Right. And then he has his girls do that. These two hand passes. He loves jumps out. And so I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit upset about this. Cause I'm like this guy, like low key is trying to crap on my stuff. Right. So then I'm like, I can't sleep. I, I go to YouTube and I watch four games of this team and I see hook passes with one hand, one hand, like, or one foot uh, jump with an overhead. I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm like, are your drills because you like them or is it actually because of what your players are doing? Like, do your players do what you're, or are they just getting through the drill? Because they don't play like that. They don't jump stop at the block pivot. If anybody did that, I'm like that in men's basketball, that's a dunk on the other side. If you pass like that. You opened up a can of worms with this one. This is a great <laughs> topic. We might need to do this on a whole other podcast. Yeah, that might be another one. At the end of the day, you have to like, it's a huge echo chamber. You have to observe the industry or the environment of coaching. Who are coaches? Coaches are people who, yeah, this is a broad brush, but I can say this because I'm just wild sitting on the sidelines. Just look at it objectively. They are GAs. Then they become assistants and then they're coaches. They're not going to school for coaching. They're not right. studying the science. They're basically mentorship. Recruiting. They're recruiting a lot too. Renter, yeah. They're recruiting and doing mentorships. Unfortunately, when it comes to developing best practices, it's going to be just a regurgitation of existing practices. Right. And so it's not like any of these are being done because they are objectively successful or they passed some basic form of first principles analysis. We can look at it and say, the reason and purpose we're doing this is based on said principles. And this is the best way we can train that. They're doing it because they're simply taught to do it. And you see this time and time again in many different professions that involve heavy mentorship, strength conditioning is one. People do it because people have done it and there's safety in repeating. Because then if you do it wrong, you feel like, well, you know, Bo Ryan, whoever did that, mm -hmm. or this great coach did that. So it can't be my fault. It must be my player's fault. And so you have this, am I succeeding because of my efforts or, yeah. in, or in spite of my efforts? In spite of it, yeah. And the people don't want to ask that question. And there's a reason why recruiting matters so much because everyone's doing the yeah. same thing. So it's going to be the Giants and Joes, not the X's and O's that's going to win. But then you look at something right. radically different, like Bellarmine basketball, a team with, a, have you seen that before? Like they don't dribble. Mm. They don't dribble. And they just put the screws to certain teams. They trans, they came up from D2 last year. They won their conference, wasn't allowed to go to the NCAA tournament because of the grace period. And sure. they put a scare into teams who they are just 
definitely outmatched skilled wise because they yeah. don't they don't I've always had this thought because because everybody loves like how Villanova plays and all these high level I'm like if you if you're a division one and Villanova Villanova's D one they have by far better players in than you have but you're gonna run the exact like try to coach and run the same system why would you do that because you're not you're not gonna win I mean, it's I mean you're not gonna I don't know a success biasing right so if you are trying to observe the best way to be successful. People too often observe people who are successful, not because their efforts, but because of what they already have in terms of resources. So it'd be saying like, oh, hmm. how did LeBron become a great basketball player? And watching all of his drills. Well, LeBron is a freak six, specimen. Eight, freak, yeah. I want to understand how the guy who shouldn't have made it, made it. How did the That's guy such, like Kelly Olynyk, like we talked Kelly about, Kelly Olynyk make it? Because you can learn from that. Who uh, was the coach who coached St. Peter's? Coached the daylights out. I mean, is that uh, Oral Roberts now or Seton Hall? Seton oh yeah, Hall, yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, former basketball player, blanking yep. on his name. I apologize. How did he take this team and turn them into something? How does someone who has less resources extract more value? So that, that you should think about it in terms of think about value extraction relative towards resources. Some of these schools are actually horrendous at value extraction relative to their resources. Relative that's to actually, the players that they have, yeah. Yeah, if you think about it in terms of you know what's your yield, they have huge resources and very low yield versus some schools have like no resources and huge so interesting. yield. That's like the whole Oakland A's Billy Billy uh Billy mm -hmm. Ball Moneyball. Um, yeah, Moneyball. Where it's like Billy Bean decided they have no resources, but they got huge extraction yield out of it. And in doing mm. that, teams like the Yankees were like, wait a second, we have huge resources and we don't get the same. How are, why are we not winning? Yeah. So you can think about it in ratio. When you start to quantify things and start talking about principles and actual like, is this making me better? What's the yield I'm getting? What's the effort in terms of it? You start to uncover some things like maybe these girls are kind of stupid. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like maybe these coaching philosophies are just regurgitations of things I've picked up from other people. I'll, I'll leave it at this because I don't want to ramble on. I always told my students when I taught as a GA um, or TA was don't believe me, but prove me wrong. Because mm. if you can prove me wrong, you have an educated justification as to why I'm incorrect. If you just believe me, you don't even know why I'm mm. saying what I'm saying. So prove me wrong. Cause along the way you might find that you prove me right, but at least you know why I'm right. right. Too many people just accept stuff. They're like, Oh, I'm going to accept that. Just Cause he said that. Yeah. Prove him wrong. Cause you might agree with him, but then you have your reasoning as to why you agree with him. Mm. I love it, man. That's like, I think the thing that last time we just talked about literally could be a whole nother we Whole will. We have to do that. Yeah. that. That'll be a teaser for our next episode. We'll talk there about wild coaching stuff. So I appreciate you guys listening. Um, as yeah. always, thank you. Thank we're going to uh, please share clips and whatnot. And you guys are more than yep. welcome to. Excited to have you guys all listening to this. Thank you as always. Take care. Yep. Peace out, Shane. Peace.